The full power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the Book of Mormon, period. Remember this declaration by Jesus himself. Whoso treasureth up my word shall not be deceived. And in the last days, neither your heart nor your faith will fail you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 96 of the Book of Mormon podcast. You've got Shelby Hello. and Kevin. Yeah. And we have a guest this week. Uh, it's Brother Nathan Turner. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> He's our institute teacher currently. And mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Brother Turner, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, so Nathan Turner, we live in Burleson. My wife, uh, Cal and I, she's uh, very attractive. We've been married just <laughs> over 10 years. We just celebrated our anniversary back at the end of July, uh, very end of July. We have four kids, Benson, who's nine, Allie, who's just turned eight this last week and got baptized. Isaac is four and Luke is 19 and a half months and he runs the house. So uh, we've lived here in Texas now for about uh, 16 months. Uh, taught seminary and institute out in Draper, Utah, and uh, at Corner Canyon, and then at uh, Summit Academy High School. Uh, my wife's from Idaho, and we lived there for a number of years. And I'm from Indiana originally, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. We like Texas. We don't like the humidity, but we do like September through May in Texas <laughs> a lot. Yeah, I like Texas. That's why I moved back. <laughs> I did. I served my mission down south, and then came back but not to the south because it's way too humid down there yeah on the the gulf yeah but anyway i can't believe you've been here for 16 and a half months already yeah that's a long time yeah covid was uh kind and ruthless to our family but we got through it and we didn't care much for the negative 15 in february but we did like the snow because we liked the snow we just didn't like all the freezing and but we, hey, we've had a good year in Texas. We love the barbecue. We love uh, the members have been great. The non-members have been great. <clears throat> we, we've had a lot of good missionary opportunities, and and we've uh, been missionaried by other people as well, which has been super cool to be able to have certain conversations I never thought we'd have. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we are super excited to have you here to discuss. I mean, one of the great chapters in the Book of Mormon, um, Alma Seven. Uh, it's a pretty big, pretty big deal, this chapter. So uh, as we say, we're just going to go ahead and dive in. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yep. So just to catch us up a little bit, we always do a little recap from the last episode, but um, there, there's not much to to really recap because it, it kind of explains what's going on. But Alma... Um, He's in Gideon. Right. Yeah. Two chapters ago, he gives up the judgment seat um, to Nephiha. Uh, Nephiha. Nephiha. Um, <laughs> never going to get that right. Um, and he goes out on his full-time mission. And the previous chapter was... Uh, wrapping things up at Zarahemla where the church needed to be set in order. And now he's traveled to the 
land of Gideon, um, the valley of Gideon, to the city of Gideon. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read the chapter heading just to kind of get us, uh, um, I guess, the synopsis of the of the chapter. So Christ will be born of Mary. He will loose the bands of death and bear the sins of his people. Those who repent are baptized and keep the commandments will have eternal life. Filthiness cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And humility, faith, hope, and charity are required about 83 BC. So yeah, uh, by the way, we always talk about how like, is it Mormon writing or is it Alma writing? Or, but uh, the, the reason that I bring that up is because the, the actual like preface to chapter seven says the words of Alma, which he delivered to the people in Gideon according to his own record. Hmm. So it's his record his words put in there by Mormon. Perfect. So I like that little, cause we, we had talked about that last week, I think. Yeah. We've talked about it before. Sometimes we get caught up in like, who's, who wrote this? Is it third person? Is it first person? Stuff like that. Oh yeah. So, but anyway, uh, wh where do we begin? So anywhere, do you have any initial thoughts on chapter seven at all? I just, so I, I, I kind of, focused on verse 10. So I don't know if you want to go there with Mary yeah. or if we want to come back there in just a minute, because kind of the buildup is it's all the way there. And then you get to verse 10, 11, 12, 13, which are kind of some of the meteor verses. Frequently quoted, well, especially yeah. by missionaries. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and we'll start in verse one and we'll kind of move up to that point. Um, a few things that and Shelby and I had the chance to talk about. We don't, normally have like full-blown discussion during the week leading up to the podcast because we don't want to like lose the good conversation you know uh we want y'all to be able to hear it um and so in verse one alma says that he says seeing that i have been permitted to come unto you and at first it's like well who's Who's permitting him, mm -hmm. right? But then we remember that, and, and he goes on to kind of explain it, that he's been confined wholly to the judgment seat. And he says, having had much business that I could not come unto you. So it's not necessarily that someone didn't permit him to, and now they are. It's, I, th I think of it as two things, and y'all can definitely add your two cents too, but it's it's an opportunity for him to come uh as whereas he didn't have that opportunity when he was working that full-time job as chief judge yeah. and then also in a way i feel that the lord when he calls and when missionaries receive assignments that is the lord permitting a missionary to to represent him. Mm -hmm. So in a way he's being permitted to come and represent the Lord to the people in Gideon. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that when you were talking about that, Kevin, about being, being permitted to come, you know, and that he says, they'll probably attempt to address you in my language. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just love that he, you know, in the past when these people have probably just received notices and, and, and uh, little epistles in the past, but, but here he's like, I got to talk to you in my language my way 
there, uh, it's, I can, I'm being a little bit rough around the edges and not that he is because it's such a beautiful chapter, but it's just, they're allowed to see him as him. And he's just saying, look guys, this is going to be different than the regular scroll that you get from, from the leader, you know, the other little servants that come and deliver stuff yeah. and the messengers. And, and I just love that he's just kind of breaking down some walls in my opinion of just trying to be down to earth and just saying, Hey, I'm just going to deliver it. And I'm excited to be here. I've been, I've been kind of trapped, confined to this judgment seat that I've loved, but here I finally have a chance to be with you. And, and I, I, as I read verse one, I, I sense kind of a, a, not only a love, like you mentioned, but an excitement and just a, he's so excited to be out working and not behind a desk or not on a seat or not kind of in a, in the same location. There's a newness about a new area, right? If you think about a mission or you think about a move with a family, it's, it's exciting and it's terrifying. And I feel like he's conveying a lot of that in, in verse one. Yeah. And I think Kevin, what you said in verse two, at the very end, it said, um, and the Lord in much mercy hath granted that I should come unto you. So it just, it witnesses, or second witness to what you said, or you know what I mean? It's there. The Lord did let him come. And so I love that. And I, and in verse three, um, he mentions that he hopes basically that he doesn't find <laughs> the situation that he found in Zarahemla here in Gideon. <laughs> right. So he's like, I'm just, he's almost relieved, like, hey, <laughs> Here I am finding, you know, a better, uh, more commandment, covenant keeping people. There's the word, you know. <laughs> yeah, he he references what was going on in Zarahemla as an awful dilemma. Yeah. Which is rough, right? That's, that's <laughs> powerful words. I, I think of it and, you know, just to liken it unto maybe, um, well, spe specifically my job. And I've, I talk about this sometimes with my my managers, but when I go to another location, like another branch mm -hmm. of my work, sometimes you can just feel that things aren't really being done right there. Um, and you kind of think back to them, you know, when, when you leave, maybe you've put in some time there to work with them, help them, whatever. And then you go back to your home store and you kind of reference them to your your team and you're like, I could definitely say that I've been to some stores that had, you know, were in an, an awful <laughs> dilemma, right? They were just not doing well. Um, but here's Alma arriving at, at Gideon and he doesn't have that bad feeling. Like, I mean, he has the Holy Ghost with him. So, I mean, if I can tell when I walk into a, a restaurant that things aren't going right, um, and I totally believe that the spirit can do that too. But as a missionary here, Alma was probably very perceptive of what was going on in Gideon when he arrived. And, and he, he knew immediately, I think. Um, and he goes on to talk about that, but they, the, the, the people in Gideon were doing well. Yeah. And it makes me think of like when you and I write in our journals, as a kid, my mom would say on Sundays, all right, go write in your journal. And I'd write, okay, here's my recap. Today is Sunday. We went to church. It was boring. It was the same thing, but I wrote at the end of the week. Uh, some people write every night. And I wonder how Alma was as a writer because, like you guys said, when he's in Zarahemla, or Zarahemla, he's, it's very, uh, like you talk about, this awful state. And then he teaches the people of Gideon who seem to be doing really well. And then the next chapter, chapter 8, he shows up in Ammonihah. Mm. which is crazy hostile. And yeah. so is he writing this at the end of the week, looking back and he's like, like chaos. I love you. 
what is happening, right? <laughs> and, and, and it just makes me think of, of as he looked back, what, how, how much he loved those people. Oftentimes you love people until you leave them and then you realize how lucky you truly were to have them. Yeah. And, and I wonder if that's why it, it, it's, if you look at the last, not to jump so far ahead, but the last verse of, of the chapter, he says, and thus I've spoken, amen. It's one of the few chapters that we see the word amen conclude uh, a chapter Mm -hmm. uh, or a story. And, and, and I feel like to Alma, uh, these people of Gideon with not only what he talks about, but, but, uh, who he's talking to is kind of a special place for him. And, uh, and it just, as you compare and contrast, it's kind of interesting to see seven's pretty precious to him in a lot of ways. It's kind of like, um, and I'm only thought of this cause we talked about the mission field earlier, but you have those homes and areas that you're like, Oh my gosh, get me out of here. Like help me have patience and faith, right? And it's so hard. And then you have that one investigator or that one convert or that one companion or one area, whatever it is, that is just like fruitful. And it's just that blossoming time in your mission. And then, you know, you might leave and go to another area that's like, oh man, I wish I would have gone back to that, you know? Sure. And that's how I kind of see it here for him too. And, and I love that. Um, something I did want to point out because later towards the end of the chapter, he talks about how the joy that he got from Zarahemla at the end of verse five, it says, my joy cometh over them after wading through much affliction and sorrow. And, um, Later on in this chapter, he talks about how the people of Gideon, the way his joy comes to him there is through um, just their faith, like seeing their faith and witnessing their faith. And so it kind of shows to me that, you know, joy can be found in many different ways. Um, but I did relate the waiting through much sorrow and affliction um, to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden in, in Moses 5 when Eve says, were it not for our transgression, we never should have had seed, never should have known good and evil and the joy of our redemption. And so I just made a little connection there about there are many ways we can find joy. Um, and he kind of finds joy in both of, in different ways, in different lands. So I just thought it was interesting. But, what, what's, what kind of struck out to me in verses four and five was that, um, so obviously Alma is, he says, he's exceedingly joyful of the the establishment and mm -hmm. the the order that has been restored in Zarahemla. And then in verse five, he talks about, I do not desire that my joy over you in Gideon should come by the cause of so much affliction and sorrow. Mm -hmm. um, rather, the joy comes, you know, from from seeing that they're doing well. And I wrote there, it's like he'd rather it be easy. Right? He'd rather show up and and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be uh, doing. But it's not always expedient that no sorrow should be experienced. Sometimes right. that that sorrow and affliction. Uh, that you have to wade through it is expedient for you. Like you said, um, brother Turner, that he, now it's like more precious to him, right? This time that he had in Gideon. <laughs> yeah. And it is, and that verse, verse, verse five is so interesting to me as you read it. And I think there, think about as a parent, uh, 
I think about getting ready to go on my mission and maybe, you know, I, I tried to be a good dude and, and I wasn't always a great dude. And I can remember when I was kind of anti against the church, I was kind of critical. Um, and I think my parents were really, okay, what's going to happen? Is he going to go on a mission? Is he not like, doesn't really go. He kind of does. He's kind of, he's all over the place his senior year. And, and uh, I remember coming home and just having an experience just a few days before my, the end of my senior year. And, and I was just wrestling and struggling with this. And I'm sure watching, my, I'm sure my parents watching me on the outside in, it was a, it was this chaotic experience. But then they, once it clicked, they were like so excited that I had gone through so much trial, mm -hmm. whether it was self-created or it was just God giving it to me or other people making choices, or it was just life, right? Things mm -hmm. happen. And, uh, and that joy can be found in watching another person wrestle in the gospel and struggle as weird as that sounds because they knew it was clicking and turning in my mind. And when I finally came to them uh, after a track meet and I said, uh, I don't want you to say anything, but I'm going on a mission. I thought I'd just let you know. And my parents didn't know how to react. They just said, okay, thanks for letting us know. And I walked upstairs and I went and showered and, and I asked my mom years later, you know, do you remember that? And my, my mom, oh yeah, we were jumping up. We were so excited because we knew you had struggled and wrestled through it. And it was like, uh, you really did not have a good experience learning that the church is true because it meant you had to change so much in your life. You maybe you need to go touch base with a bishop. You needed to yeah. see what do you need to sort out and not sort out. Cause I just had no concept of repentance at that point. And, and as I look at verse five, right. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's, it's just kind of, there's a connection there in some small ways to me. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. I wonder we're going to enter parenthood soon. So we'll get to experience that. <laughs> and it's hard, right? And that's the, any parent will tell you, like you want to do everything for them, but then you realize you can't because if you yeah. do everything for them, you, you cripple them right. it, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. It's there's something about let, let the kid Agency. struggle. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, just like we sometimes are not heads, our Heavenly Father is so constant at stepping in and being like, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm not going to fix it. And then other times he does. He says, I'll just take it for you. And yeah. other times he says, you do X, Y, and Z. And right. it'll work out. And other times just leave it alone. And it'll go away. And, and I think that sometimes we need to remember that Heavenly Father is so patient with us. But he doesn't fix everything for us. But at times he definitely does. And he's always involved in everything. So And so should we as parents. I like that. So, you know, kind of kind of writing that or, or following that thread back to the scriptures in verse six, um, Alma, he let, let me just go ahead and read it. it says, but behold, I trust that you are not in a state of so much unbelief as were your brethren. Again, he's talking to the people in Gideon. He continues, I trust that you are not lifted up in the pride of your hearts. Yeah, I trust that you have not set your hearts upon riches and the vain things of the world. Yeah, I trust that you do not worship idols, but that you, you do worship the true and living God, and that you look forward to the remission of your sins with an everlasting faith, which is to come. And obviously he's referring back to what was going on in Zarahemla. He's like, right. I see that you are not having these issues. You're not having these issues. You're not having these issues. But what you what, what's interesting is that what they need or at least what he feels they need um, as, as their priesthood authority and, and so on is he recognizes their, their hard work and their faith. Uh, he continues in verse seven, for behold, I say unto you, there be many things to come, 
and behold, there is one thing which is of more importance than they all. For behold, the time is not far distant that the Redeemer liveth and cometh among his people. So, and there's so much that I want to talk about there, <laughs> but, but just focusing on that one part of like, he recognizes their faith and he, and he says, that's actually going to get you so much further than anything else. And it, that immediately reminded me of President Nelson's uh, um, encouraging us to increase our faith mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at this time. So I had a thought. President or president? Is he President Holland? Can we say that? Wasn't he a president of something? BYU. Yeah. Anyway, but Elder Holland, he came to my mission four weeks before I got there. Okay. Had this whole thing. I was in the MTC when he came. So I get to the mission field and everyone's like, Elder Holland was there, blah, blah, blah. And they have their, they like typed up the whole talk, you know, and all the copies of the missionaries got it. And one thing that he said was that he talked a lot about having the companionship of the Holy Ghost as a missionary. And he said, he did say, I can sense kind of like here with Alma, I can sense that this mission has strong enough faith and is doing the good things that I don't have to talk about the little petty things. And so I can talk to you about one of the most important things. And that is having the Holy Ghost with you. That is a God. And he like went into just all these things about the Holy Ghost. And it was the most profound talk I've ever read in my life. I wish I would have heard it, but I'm glad I got a copy of it. And so that's what I'm thinking of here. Who is it? Didn't Elder Bednar say, or I've heard this before that Elder Bednar is like, why do you think we repeat things in conference all the time? Cause you guys aren't doing them. Like you need the reminder, but there's so much more meat we could get to if y'all would just do that. So we don't have to talk about that. We could talk about the good stuff. And yeah. that's what I feel like Alma is getting to here is like, you guys get this good stuff because you're doing the things you should be doing. Yeah. And it, yeah. Now I, that was at a state conference. I was at in Eagle Mountain, Utah. He came and yeah. our state president was an assistant to the first presidency. And mm-hmm. uh, he was on some boards with, or in, on some committees with Elder Bednar and they were really good friends. And he ended up being assigned to our stake. And, and he talked about that. And I'll never forget when he asked that, do you want to know why we don't, would you like to talk about more new stuff? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he said, you guys don't even live it. You don't, you don't. And we're like, oh, we're all, we're not going to make it. Right. <laughs> and, but it was such an eye opener. Like, like yeah. there's something about being qualified, not only in, in your actions, but in your, in your heart and your beliefs of, of if you truly exercise faith on a daily basis, it doesn't make you perfect, but it qualifies you to, 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 to maybe act differently, or I guess it, it causes you to act differently. Mm-hmm. And when, when you're living the gospel with the right mindset and the right attitude and doing the best that you can, uh, the Lord's looking to bless you. He's looking to help you. And, and like you said, he shows up in Gideon and he's like, let's go. You guys are in a state that I don't need to talk about these other things. Let me just rock it with you. Mm-hmm. And, and if you were to actually look at the rest of chapter seven and compare it with, with what Nephi's walked through with the spirit of the Lord in chapters eight, nine, 10, 11, it's, mm. it's like, well, there's some similarities that I've never seen before. And it, and it, and it kind of, they start with Mary. Mm-hmm. which is super, super cool. We'll get there. But, but uh, yeah, I agree with that. The, the focus of Nef- or sorry, of Alma here is, Hey, of all the things that you're going to hear me talk about and that you've studied, it's all great. This is where we're going. It's all about the savior. Mm-hmm. I love it. And he goes straight there. I mean, right away in, well, he, he says the time is not far distant, but then he goes in to say, well, I like that he clarifies this. He says in verse eight, I do not say that he will come among us at this time or at this time of his dwelling in his mortal tabernacle, 
For behold, the Spirit hath not said unto me that this should be the case. Now as to this thing I do not know, but this much I do know, that the Lord God hath power to do all things which are according to his word. And I like that he clarifies that. He's like, you know, I'm not saying he's coming right now, you know, at the time of his dwelling, because I don't know that. But here's what I do know, that the Lord has told me that he has power to do these things. And I mean, they'll prep that coming in in the next, we'll talk about it in the next few verses, what he's talking about. But I like that clarification. <laughs> well, and, and, and as I read that, Shelby, with verse seven and eight, I just, it's like the spirit didn't say that, but you could tell like maybe as, if I was seeing like, I hope, I hope. Right. <laughs> right. There's this like this deep longing, right? Right. Uh, Nephi seems to have an experience. Lehi seems to have experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if has, has, has Alma had this experience. And we know that he did when he was wrecked for three days in Texas. Right. But, but it, it, he's like, I, I hope that we get to see him yeah. in some way. Yeah. And there's this, this, just this longing. And he says, but if not, hey, remember that, that the Lord God has power to do all things. Yeah. And it's it, just a nice little reminder. Oh, uh, yeah. Where you have your faith, right? Yes, in Christ. Absolutely. Anyway. Well, let's let's move along and, and get to that verse 10, that, uh, that, that one point. Um, verse 9, you know, it's interesting. The the spirit. Okay, let me let me back up just a little bit to verse 8. <laughs> so I thought about not talking about this, but the, the spirit constraineth me, I guess. <laughs> um <laughs> He says, for behold, the spirit hath not said unto me that this should be the case, right? Shelby, you read that. Mm-hmm. And what I wrote in my margin was, if the spirit doesn't necessarily say something, that doesn't mean you don't have an answer, mm-hmm. right? And then furthermore, he says what the spirit is saying and has said to him is cry unto this people saying, repent ye and prepare the way of the Lord. So hey, the, the spirit didn't tell me that he's going to come and dwell with us in his mortal tabernacle, right, when he does come. But the spirit is telling me to prepare the people for his mm-hmm. coming. So, like, I'm not going to get caught up in the the minutia or, like, the nitty-gritty, right? Um, I'm going to do what the spirit of the Lord has told me to do. And, and if we if we were to liken that, to our personal lives, of course, we should be helping prepare the world for the Lord's coming, his second coming. Um, but when we when we are looking for answers, you know, maybe it, it is important to go by what you are being told, what the, the impressions that you are getting, as opposed to, I don't know, looking, I guess it's, it could be called looking beyond the mark, right? Looking for something that is not expedient that, that would be given to you. Um, and, and he has very straight, like very clear, the spirit's given him very clear direction, uh, crying unto the people saying, repent ye, prepare the way of the Lord, walk in his paths, which are straight, for behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the son of God cometh upon the face of the earth. There's very little like you don't have to read much between the lines like, <laughs> you know he's coming you need to prepare for it walk in his paths mm-hmm. which are straight which means any other deviation of that path is is leading you astray it's not preparing you for his coming yeah 
and, and as he shares that in verse nine, this is when the Savior comes uh, in in the old world of Jerusalem and the new world of America. That's not for a hundred year, hundred ten years till he gets to the Americas, right? And yet he still is saying, "Guys, get ready," which makes me think of what did people say back hundred ten years ago to us, or to, I guess to the saints back then with Brigham Young or John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, whoever it would have been. Um, Saying get ready, it, yeah, and and how their legacy and their actions would absolutely impact us as their posterity and and so sometimes these and and he doesn't know when these coming he just knows he's coming yeah right uh because it's not very clear but he but clearly the actions of of our uh predecessors is so influential on on a group of people or on a family decades later which is so crazy to me for me to think what kind of legacy am i leaving and, and i'm sure alma as he's saying this is thinking about his dad of look who my dad was and look at who i wasn't but look at Look at how I got back, right? Uh, and, and so, just this this cool. It's all about repentance. It's this turn back. You guys are doing good. Get back. Mm-hmm. You guys have got to keep turning, keep turning, and moving your feet and moving your heart. I love that. So, when you were talking just now, Brother Turner, it made me think of so. My dad, his dad was an alcoholic. He was not a member of the church. Just not good upbringing. And when my dad found out that, you know, my mom was expecting, he wanted to change his life. Um, He wasn't a member of the church yet, uh, but my mom was a less active member of the church. And, you know, my grandma was very active, my mom's mom. So over the years, the choices that he made from finding out that he was going to have a kid uh, really like influence the rest of his life because he didn't want to be like his dad. And so now that I'm pregnant, he got emotional one day on the phone with me and he was like, I see now that my decision to, you know, have you and become a different dad than my dad was and, you know, ultimately join the church and all these things. He's been a member his whole, well, he's been very active since he was baptized, um, is now affecting my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's just tripping me out because he said, when you do have, you know, it's a girl that we're having. When you do have um, Adeline, I just, I'm going to be a mess. He just straight up said it. (laughs) And I'm just, that's what I was thinking about just now when you were talking. I was like, oh, sorry, hit the table. But just the decisions that you make, they do influence decisions determine destiny. We talked about that this week. And not just your destiny, others. Others, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but yeah. Just had to throw that in there. Thought it was expedient. No, and I <laughs> for the record. <laughs> and I think it's I think it's very appropriate. The yeah. the power of reflection and looking back and looking at the people who raised you and think about the I, I had a, a teacher uh, when I started teaching seminary uh, eight years ago. He just talked about you know every every missionary goes out and then they write mom or dad or bishop or grandma or somebody a letter and like I'm so sorry and <laughs> and and, and there's you know what but, but isn't that the that's part of repentance. It's, it's, you know, it, it's just expressing like, I'm sorry, I wasn't who I should have been. And I think we've all written one. I wrote one and it was like, oh, move on. Yeah. Thank you. I, I look, you're awesome. Go rock it. Quit yeah. worrying about it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I hear he is having this moment, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's awesome. And it's all because of our savior, right? Repentance. Speaking of babes. Oh yeah. 
Verse 10. Okay, can I, read, can I read verse 10? Yes, yes. do it. Right. And behold, he shall be born uh, of Mary at Jerusalem, which is the land of our forefathers, who being a virgin, a precious and chosen vessel, who shall be overshadowed and conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and bring forth a son, yea, even the son of God. And I love uh, so much. There's, this, there's just this reverence for Mary. And if you were to look back just in First Nephi, uh, I'm pretty sure it's chapter 11, where the Spirit of the Lord is having this conversation. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, with, with Nephi, he's trying to figure things out, and he's he's kind of like he's just being yeah. hit with this fire hydrant. But Nephi slows down in verse verse uh, twelve. Uh, you know, where he came fast. They said to me, "Look," and I looked. Um, verse thirteen. It came to pass. I look and beheld the great city, uh, the city of Nazareth, and the city of Nazareth. I beheld a virgin. And she was exceedingly fair and white. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and there's this there's this this reverence, and then the rest of those verses in First Nephi eleven. Uh, or I guess for the next six or seven verses, he just talks about the, the value of Mary bringing this baby and, and how she is she is this this woman of women, if you will. And Gabriel, if you think about when he sees sees her, right, you know, hail thou. Uh, I can't remember the phrasing, but women of women, right? You're going to have the Son of God, and there's this conversation. But I just love that 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 Alma, as he describes her being, as he's taught by the Spirit, uh, hey, she's precious, she's chosen. Mm -hmm. Right, she's this chosen vessel to carry the Savior, and, and I feel like there was a deep reverence. And, and I think when Neve, or sorry, when Alma was learning about this specifically in detail, I wonder how long it took him before the Spirit was like, "Can I keep teaching you?" Because it's it's sometimes we, we the revelation comes right, right, like bit by bit, like here here little, there little. Sometimes it's it's verse by verse, or line by line, or word by word. Right. And I just think that here's one that that. The angel teaches and Alma is like, it's processing. And he's just like, like, I know I've been taught it. And I know it's like, but like he either sees it or he feels it. And like, how long until he transitions? Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, as I, as I read this, I thought he probably like took some time to think about just the value of not only uh, womanhood, but of Mary mm -hmm. and of, of what an awesome woman she must've been in the pre-earth life. Uh, and but what an awesome woman she, she would have been in mortality uh, to, to do that. There's just this, this deep, deep reverence. So, yeah. Wow. I, I think about that. I've thought about that mainly just because we're about to become parents. I've just thought about being a parent in general and the responsibility that you have as a parent. And it just, it blows my mind that Heavenly Father would even trust us to bring children <laughs> into this world. And so then when I think about Mary bringing the son of God, I mean, not just my mind sometimes is just like blown. Like I, 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 can't imagine or I just you know I can't comprehend it yet it's it's got to come a little bit slower for me <laughs> I'm still in awe right now <laughs> which is okay and when that little one comes out yeah. when when Athena comes out <laughs> uh I, I think you'll you'll see it'll yeah. time will slow down a little bit and you'll be excited and terrified and in awe and yeah. it'll be it'll be such a, a cool thing because because look Mary was a, a chosen vessel uh yeah uh, well and so are you Right. Every every woman is, whether it's in mortality, bringing in a kid in or it's in the next life. If it doesn't happen here, that that uh, cool things happen to to women yeah. who exercise faith and and who are who are willing to have a kid uh, yeah. for whatever reason is, is a pretty special thing. Yeah. Kevin, any thoughts? You look contemplative. <laughs> yeah, I, I am thinking about things, uh, but I don't really know exactly where I want to go with it all. It's just. It's interesting that verse 10 is, uh, I mean, in between 
a lot of other things. And so, you know, we were just coming from, hey, um, you all have a lot of faith and that's great because we we need to exercise that faith and prepare for Christ. For, for Christ's coming. And then he prophesies about Mary and what she's going to do. And I mean, again, I mean, this isn't for a long time and it's just like exercise your faith to believe that these things will happen. Hmm. You know, I mean, a, a virgin bearing a child, it's kind of a, it's a paradox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, in any, any society. And so, um, it's, but it's important. Yes. You know, he, that's why course. he put it in there. Um, but, mm -hmm. uh, what, what intrigues me about that is that it's, it's here seated beside, uh, this, this admonition of faith, yeah. right. Yeah. With, that Alma's talking about. And, and then, you know, this son of God that is brought forth, um, verse 11, there, there's a great, uh, I, I heard it a while back, but this, this verse, Alma 7, 11 mm -hmm. and 7, 11, they're always open. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So in <laughs> verse 11 talks about this atoning sacrifice mm -hmm. that is, um, eternal. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to read it and I might go ahead and read 12 too. And he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. And he will take upon him death that he may loose the bands of death, which bind his people. And he will take upon him their infirmities that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh, how to succor his people according to their infirmities. And I, I'm going to, prophesy now that given the, the time constraints of this episode, mm -hmm. we're not going to get past these two verses. <laughs> so don't worry about going any further, but I, I'd love for us to talk about these verses and, and just get as much gold out of them as we can. Um, what would y'all like to share? I mean, these were, these were always the verses that I would, I would always think of as a missionary to share with people that this it's so personal. We don't get this in the Bible. We don't get this description of our savior really in this much detail. Um, I feel like we don't get that in the Bible. We know that he suffered for us in our pains, but just the words and the imagery, you know, that's used here and, and even continuing on as to what that leads to, why he did it like 13 and 14, you know, he did it so we could be baptized into repentance and have faith in him. And I just think about that every time that it's such a rich, the book of Mormon just gives us a greater understanding of his atonement and what he did for us. Um, and that's why I love these verses. Cause I feel like we don't really get that much in the Bible um, as descriptive, I should say. Yeah. And as you shared that uh, just 11 and 12 and 13 are, I was just trying to picture in my mind, there is a story behind every one of those, uh, you know, pains, afflictions, temptations mm -hmm. of every kind, pains and sickness and infirmities and sin and transgression. Uh, like you see that you see the the actions of the Savior in the New Testament. Yeah. Working with people who deal with each of those things individually. It just doesn't use that type of descriptive word that Alma paints mm -hmm. this beautiful picture 
go back now to the New Testament where the Savior as a mortal man goes and deals with somebody with an affliction of one kind, a certain type of pain or a temptation, right? Whether he's talking about his own mm-hmm. or, or it's somebody else, right? Uh, which is so cool. I like how you said that. It's just, it's painted differently. One's with the stories, mm-hmm. and this one is just descriptive words and phrases that help us unlock those stories, or I guess maybe see those stories yeah. in, in a clearer light. Yeah. And I like um, the word, did we get to this word sucker used? means to run to. Mm-hmm. Did we read that yet? Yeah, the very end of verse 12. Okay, there you go. There it is. Sucker his people according to their infirmities. And I, and I like that it's according to the flesh so he could know exactly what it felt like to be able to sucker us um, and have us run to him and, and know exactly what we're feeling. And I recently, um, in sacrament meeting the other week, I was really distracted by some kids that were in front of us and that were running all around the rows. Was it, uh, was it the Turners? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> but I, I mean, I let myself get distracted. I, I could have done a better job at, you know, taking out, but I, I, I was nauseous. And so I went out uh, into the foyer and I ate a little bar so I didn't get sick. And I was looking at this picture of the savior, you know, in Gethsemane. And I saw that picture of him kneeling, you know, on the classic kneeling on the rock, you know, about to pray. And I thought he knows exactly how I feel right now sitting in this foyer. And it just, it just, per, it just hit me. I had a, in two minutes, I had a better experience with the Savior in the foyer than I did being distracted by these little kids. The Spirit did teach me some things, but just knowing that He knew how I felt um, in that moment was so comforting. Because sometimes I'm just like, ugh, you know. And we all feel that way at times. So anyway, I like that that we can run to Him because He knows exactly how it feels. Um, and and he he runs to us yeah right he closes that distance you know distance is already closed right (laughs) i think of you sitting in that foyer and it's like if you don't think that he was right there in that foyer like ready to to comfort you Mm -hmm. you know i mean that that's that's all that's all the lord does you know, it, to kind of liken it unto uh, Alma, it's like Alma left the, the judgment seat to come among the people. Mm-hmm. The Savior, he condescended from his heavenly throne to go among his people to do these same things. He, he I mean, Alma in this way is really a type of Christ, as so many things are. Right, going and, and dealing with the disorder in Zarhemla, yeah. but also coming among the people in Gideon who are doing a great job mm-hmm. exercising faith and giving them a reward for their faith, which is more light mm-hmm. and more knowledge and, and hope for the future, right? Because, hey, you have the faith, so I'm going to give you something to be faithful to and hope for because I know you're not going to dismiss it. You're not going to discard it. Yeah. Um, and, and what greater hope to give these people in Gideon than a savior, not only of their souls, but a very, like you said, very personal savior. Like just because the people in Gideon were being faithful doesn't mean they didn't have afflictions (laughs) and temptations and And sorrows, of course. So this is, this is, 
you know, just remember, I try to remember each time we go through these first several Alma chapters, remember who Alma's talking to and what they're, you know, his audience is, right? Yeah, each person is different. Yeah. It's kind of the, each city is a one by one experience. Yeah. Uh, and, and they need that. Uh, and in those one by one experiences, there's a roller coaster ride of feelings and thoughts and, and struggle. Uh, when you were talking, the two of you, just so we're all sick. Uh, verse 11, 12, 13, we all have some mental, physical, emotional, spiritual sickness. And I, and I just wrote in the margins, um, Christ has given us the medicine, but he will not make you take it. Mm. And and if you look at the, and not that we're, I, I don't want to take away from your prophecy, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> in verses 14 through 16, he kind of talks about, here's your medicine. Yeah. Mm. Right. Here, here's what you do. Here's how you take it. And I, and, and I think that that is so cool. Uh, that here he is the doctor. We typically, when my kids have got ear infections or, or somebody's sick, we go to the doctor. In this case, uh, like we talked about, the savior is the great physician who, who comes, the doctor comes to you, mm. whether you even realize you need help or not, but he can't make you do it. He can't force you. It's like the gift of the Holy ghost, right? You get that gift, but you choose whether you want to receive it, how much each day, uh, and often what we do the day before or how we start our day influences our ability to take that medicine. Uh, and, and, and I think that, that the savior is, he's just pointing out one by one, look, you're all messed up and that's not a bad thing. That's called life. In fact, uh, when I, when I read, uh, in the book of Mormon and I come across words that I think are, are interesting and unique. I, I pull out the 1828 uh, version of Webster's dictionary online. Mm -hmm. And I, I look at those words, like for example, the word at in verse 10 uh, at Jerusalem, no, he's not, he's born in Bethlehem. Right? right. But if you actually look at the 1828 version of the word at, mm -hmm. I don't even know what it is today. It says, it just says it, it denotes a nearness mm. to an area. And then another one, it also is used for, <clears throat> excuse me, um, for something that's, that's towards, uh, or, or nearby or in that direction. Mm -hmm. And Bethlehem is not very far, just a number of miles outside of, of Jerusalem. So, but you gotta look at that definition because I had people on my mission and even since my mission, hey, you guys believe Jesus was born in, in Jerusalem. No, Almas is at Jerusalem, which is a big difference. And then if you look at the word affliction, this like really blew my mind uh, as I looked at the word affliction uh, again. An affliction is a state of pain, distress, or grief. And I'm like, yeah, that's the story of, anybody right distress right. grief chaos right but then the, another definition was the uh, affliction is the cause of continued pain of body or mind mm -hmm. and and I, and I think that uh, there's a lot of suffering uh, of the body uh, of the mind of the spirit and you've got the soul yeah and there's a lot of that and that's why he says hey look there's sicknesses and there's sicknesses that we ha we haven't even discovered yet that people are being hit with, right? And there are going to be different types of sicknesses that, like you look at the plague, the, the, the sickness of pornography mm -hmm. or, or the sickness of being on our phone too much and not being able to really get off and disconnect, right? And how it influences us. It's a sickness. Now, not that phones aren't, like don't have great things with it, right. but you take too much of any one thing and it, there's danger in that, right? Yeah. And, and and I love that he just says, look, wherever you are, whatever your affliction is, I'm running to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm just going to do my best to help you and love you. And from what I've been told, the Savior's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I love, I mean, those next verses to look at it as here's how you apply it, right? Like here's how you yeah. get better um, and do better, which President Nelson talks about all the time is repent. 
daily repentance. It's not, repentance is not just go talk to the bishop and confess. It is let's change. Let's become better. Um, try to be as less sick as we can, right? <laughs> In whatever way that is. And so I, I love that. Yeah, if you look at verse 12, uh, he, he says, he will take upon him their infirmities, that his, meaning the Savior, his bowels may be filled with mercy. And I just love that when we go to him with our challenge, he just wants to give us mercy and love. And and, and justice has its proper place in time. Elder Scott, um, I, I read somewhere that he, he said that it's not just the mercy of God that I get to see my wife, Janine, forever. It's his justice. Uh, and and I think that that's really cool. So justice is a. It's not like it's one against the other. No, justice serves its purpose and its point, and it's a great thing for for people. Uh, but here's like, Jesus wants to just give you mercy. He just wants to sprinkle you with love and then dump it on you. And he he's looking for reasons to bless you and help you and save you and rescue you, even if you don't want to be. He's still there. Yeah. And and I love that. Well. We only have about two to three minutes left, really. Yeah, yeah we got to wrap up here. Yeah, because um, you got to mean to get to. First, first things first, we, I want on the record to thank you, <laughs> Brother Turner, so much for, for being on the podcast and giving your insights. And, and I'm going to be re-listening to this episode when it's just Shelby and I. I don't really, really, I don't really listen to them. You know, maybe <laughs> I listen to them like to make sure that there's no like egregious, um, <laughs> like uh, audio issues, right? Yeah. But when I when we have a guest on, I always like going back and and kind of feasting again, because um, sometimes I miss things. I'm like distracted or whatever. Um, thank you so much. We appreciate you, and and we'll get you on again. You know, we'll come back around. Yeah. Thanks for letting me. Time flew. I you said two or three minutes, and I was like. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I know. It, I know. That's you what happens. <laughs> that's what happens. Man, we'll get carried away sometimes. But then, you know, I'm I'm a fallen person. And so I start to get hungry and then I get agitated. Right. And then Kevin can tell Shelby's ready to be done. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah. But yeah, well, it does uh, fly. Next time we're going to come back and we'll, we'll probably be finishing up chapter seven. Mm-hmm. We're going to recap some of the things that, that we didn't necessarily get to talk about in, uh, in, verses 11 12 and 13 because there's more that i know i want to talk about and shelby has i'm sure but uh, until next time thanks for listening y'all and do you have any last thoughts before we go you guys are awesome what a cool thing to be a part of to, <laughs> to dissect the savior and and uh, you can never dissect enough and to, to see how his influence plays in in their lives versus uh verses 11 to 13 are precious to everybody and Right. Verses 14 to 16 are also equally amazing. Yeah. And verses 21 to 24 about priesthood holders and who they should be. And anyway, I just, there's so much good here that uh, it just makes you know that, man, Joseph Smith couldn't have done it by himself. Oh, there's yeah. just no way that as this kid or as a teenager, as a young 20 year old, whatever you know phase of life he's in, it just, it just makes you see that the Lord can use, can use anybody if they'll, if they'll let him. And, and uh, it's true. It's pretty amazing. That's a good preview for the next episode, and you'll have to listen to it. (laughs) Anyway, thanks, y'all, and we'll be back next week. Bye.